This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello, welcome to VOA Africa. Thank you for joining us. I'm Peter Clotty, and here's what's coming up. The entire court itself will be under a magnifying glass and international legal justice will suffer a severe blow if some kind of provisional measures are not called for. That's Daniel Levi, President of the United States Middle East Project and a former advisor to the Israeli government on possible outcomes of the International Court of Justice case brought by South Africa against Israel. Also, Gabon's military junta has appointed a second transitional government within four months. And Kenya's President William Ruto has confirmed that his country will deploy 1,000 police officers to Haiti. All this and more coming up on African News Tonight. Last week, South Africa launched an emergency case at the International Court of Justice, the ICJ, accusing Israel of genocide. South Africa asked the ICJ to immediately order a stop to Israel's military operations in Gaza. But legal experts familiar with the court say it's unlikely the ICJ will rule in favor of an Israeli ceasefire. Daring Taylor reports. The Israel Defense Forces began bombarding Gaza after the militant group Hamas attacked communities in Israel on October 7, killing almost 1,200 people. The Hamas-run health ministry in Gaza says Israel's subsequent attacks in the territory have resulted in the deaths of about 24,500 people, mostly women and children. William Shabus a Canadian international law professor and veteran litigator before the ICJ, said during a webinar organized by French human rights activists that Israel's case is weaker than that of South Africa's. But, he added, it'll be hard for the judges to order Israel to stop all military action in Gaza because of its self-defense argument. The ultimate would be an order to stop all military activity. But if they don't get that one, we still need the one about unimpeded access to all of the necessities of life. That's a strong case and one that they're very likely to get. Measures against Israel will be viewed as a defeat for Israel and a victory for South Africa and for Palestine, even if they are more in the nature of the feel-good orders like don't commit genocide and so on. Daniel Levy is president of the United States Middle East Project and a former advisor to the Israeli government. He participated in several negotiations between Israel and Palestinian authorities. Levy told VOA he too doesn't foresee the ICJ granting South Africa's request for Israel to silence its guns. The entire court itself will be under a magnifying glass and international legal justice will suffer a severe blow if some kind of provisional measures are not called for by the court. Of course, whatever the court does will not be self-implementing. It will then depend on Israel whether it wants to be in violation of whatever is put forward. And crucially, it will depend on Israel's allies and backers who have facilitated and enabled this three months plus now of absolute horror and devastation to use whatever the court comes forward with as leverage to try and bring this to an end. And it's important also that we 
Levy says the judges will likely accept that Israel has a legitimate right to defend itself against Hamas, which the U.S. and other nations have designated a terrorist organization. In that context, he says, to expect Israel to halt its guns is unfair. Professor Chris Lunsberg, foreign policy expert at the University of Johannesburg, thinks the nationalities of the judges could be decisive. Israel believes the judges from China, Lebanon, Morocco, Russia and Somalia will support South Africa's argument, while it counts on the backing of the judges from Australia, France, Germany and the US. Landsberg says it's less certain how judges from other countries on the ICJ, such as Japan, Slovakia and Jamaica, will vote. And there will be the likes of Brazil and others that will really hone in on the legal merits of the argument. Was genocide proof? And I think they're veering in that direction. But make no mistake, there are judges that's going to take their cue from the capitals. The ICJ judges began deliberations on Monday and have until the 5th of February to announce any provisional measures they might decide upon. But it could take years for the court to determine conclusively whether Israel committed genocide in Gaza. For VOA News, I'm Darren Taylor in Johannesburg. Gabon's military junta has appointed a second transitional government within four months, although the opposition has complained about the appointment of some members of the ousted government. Gabon's opposition also is asking the ruling military to revise the transitional charter, which allows junta leaders to compete in future elections, but bars transitional ministers from doing so. Moki Edwin Kenzaka reports from neighboring Cameroon. Premier ministre, chef du gouvernement, Monsieur Raymond this is the voice of Guy Rosatanga Renaud, Secretary General of Gabon's Presidency, reading out the names of the members of a new transitional government on Wednesday. The list includes military figures and ex-ministers who served under former President Ali Bongo Onzimba, who was ousted in a coup in August. Rignaud says the number of ministers has been increased to 31 from 26 in the first transitional government. He says that's because of military ruler General Brice Clotet Oligingema's efforts to assure transparency and facilitate the transition to constitutional order. But Gabon's opposition says the new transitional government is made up of Oligi's close military aides and friends of the Ali Bongo family, which dominated Gabon for 56 years and is accused of confiscating most of the country's oil wealth. Colonel Irich Manfumbi Manfumbi was appointed minister in Gabon's presidency in charge of special duties and as a government spokesperson. Nous parlons de reconstruire un pays qui a été profondément morcelé, qui a été profondément... Manfumbi says General Brice Clotet Oligingema wants to involve all citizens in his program of reconstructing and bringing back dignity, which the people of Gabon have been yearning for since independence. He says Oligi is investigating politicians and senior state functionaries who have dirty track records 
and are suspected of corrupt practices that have impoverished Gabon. Raymond Dongsima, the civilian prime minister who was appointed to lead the first transitional government in September, will stay in this position. Gabon officials say Oligi retained Sima, a prominent opponent of Ali Bongo, in office to investigate financial crimes and make sure a transitional charter, the military issued to hand power to civilians by the end of 2025, is respected. But opposition and civil society groups are calling on the new government to revise the charter. Abe Ondo Osa, who claims he won Gabon's presidential election last August and that Ali Bongo stole his victory, says the military leader should be barred from contesting in any presidential poll. Osa says Articles 40 and 52 of the Transitional Charter state that members of the Transitional Government, the President of the Transitional Senate, and the President of the National Assembly cannot be candidates in a presidential election leading to civilian rule. But nothing prevents Oligi from taking part in that race, Gabon's opposition and civil society say. Presidential Minister Mamfobi dismisses their claims. Mamfobi says civilians, opposition and civil society groups should be calm because no article in the transitional charter obliges Oligi to be candidates in the election that will hand power to civilian rule. He says Oligi knows what is good for Gabon and its citizens. Gabon school leaders say the transitional government's immediate task are to prepare a national dialogue by April, fight corruption, improve the economy, and prepare elections before the end of 2025. Moki Edwin Kinzaka. VOA News, Yaoundé, Cameroon. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak today urged Britain's unelected upper house of parliament to pass his plan to send migrants to Rwanda, calling it the will of the people. The Premier was speaking the day after he survived a key test of his leadership by fending off right-wing rebels to win a crunch parliamentary vote on the issue. Sunak says the elected House of Commons supports the legislation with, quote, very strong majority. The French news agency AFP says he is urging the House of Lords to pass the legislation without amendment so migrant flights to Rwanda could begin as soon as possible. The bill is the British leader's answer to a UK Supreme Court ruling late last year that deporting asylum seekers to Kigali is illegal under international law. The legislation, if passed in the upper chamber, will compel judges to treat Rwanda as a safe third country. It will also give UK ministers powers to disregard sections of international and British human rights legislation.
Human rights group Amnesty International and other advocacy groups are raising concerns over British oil giant Shell's sale of its onshore businesses in Nigeria. Shell announced Tuesday it had concluded plans to sell the assets for $2.4 billion, but Amnesty says before closing the deal, authorities must ensure the company addresses decades of oil spills that have impacted communities in Nigeria. Timothy Obiezu reports from Abuja. In a post Tuesday on the social media site X, Amnesty said, quote, Shell should not be allowed to wash its hands of the problems and leave, end quote. The international rights group also called on Nigerian authorities to request a full assessment of existing pollution from Shell and the state of its infrastructure before allowing them to transfer ownership of onshore assets. After nearly a century in Nigeria, Shell says it plans to sell its assets to a consortium of mainly local companies. The sales requires the approval of Nigerian authorities. Aminu Hayato is a conflict researcher at Amnesty International. Amnesty uh, International has been uh, very much concerned about uh, the nature of environmental degradation happening in that uh, uh, Niger Delta area. Activities of uh, multinational organizations uh, have, uh, for quite some time, uh, deteriorated that environment. Amnesty International uh, is set to really, uh, you know, observe the emergence of new uh, companies as well as uh, the leaving of uh, old ones and the exchanges between government and those uh, companies in terms of their operations in the area. Shell says it will continue to operate less challenging offshore businesses and that the new owner, Renaissance, will assume responsibility for the onshore assets. For decades, Shell has struggled with oil spillage, vandalism, theft and sabotage in the troubled Niger Delta region, leading to lawsuits against the company. Faith Wadishi is founder of the Center for Transparency Advocacy. One of the reasons why Shell is running away is because communities have become wiser, more knowledgeable, going to sue Shell in their home country and getting judgments, favorable judgments for the communities. They're just leaving their liabilities and their responsibilities behind for the people who are going to come to take it up. Shell's exit from onshore business in Nigeria follows other Western energy companies seeking more viable and profitable operations. The company says its staff and expatriates will be retained by the new leadership. But Wadishi says concerns remain. Anybody that is taking over Shell now should know also that they are taking over their liabilities, over the years' liabilities. This negotiation, did it take into consideration all of those liabilities for cleanup? Did it take into consideration loss and damage to the communities? The terms of the negotiation or the agreement should actually be made public. It's not clear what Nigerian authorities will do next, but rights groups like Amnesty International say they will continue to demand accountability. Timothy Obiezu, VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria. You are listening to Africa News Tonight. I'm Peter Clote in Washington. For more information on these and other stories from the continent, please see voaafrica.com. There you will find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. For world news, check out voanews.com. 
Kenya's President William Ruto recently confirmed that the East African country would deploy 1,000 police officers to Haiti to help the Caribbean nation deal with violence committed by heavily armed gangs. James Shimanyula has the story. The 1,000 police officers are expected to leave Kenya for Haiti on January 24th to lead a multinational United Nations deployment to train and support the Haitian police in their fight against criminal gangs. Kenyan President William Ruto late last month spoke to journalists about the mission. The people of Haiti have borne the brunt of colonial plunder and repression. The multinational security support mission, therefore, is an effort to restore the dignity of the Haitian people, the stability of their nation, and the prosperity of this African nation in the Caribbean. It is the international community that will fund this deployment. It is not going to be funded by Kenyan taxpayers. Renata Segura is the International Crisis Group's Deputy Director for Latin America and author of a recent report published on the situation in Haiti. She says Kenyan police officers are essential and other officers in the multinational force cannot function without them. Kenyan police will be an indispensable ally in their fight against gangs. Without them, it is very likely that the situation in Haiti continues to deteriorate. Just last year, 200,000 people were displaced from their homes and over 4,000 people were killed. So it is really important that Kenya deploys policemen to Haiti to help this besieged country. There is a mixed reaction in Kenya to the mission. One woman, Lucy Wamboi, is confident the Kenyans will succeed. Let the Kenyans go and help them in Haiti. It's high time African countries should respond to a call to help when one of them is in trouble. Those who are saying that they will come back dead should avoid that because these are trained men and women. My prediction is that Kenyans will succeed where others failed. However, in November last year, James Opio Wandai, an opposition leader, expressed his opposition to the plan in the Kenyan parliament. You cannot use our police women and men as guinea pigs, for sure. The motivation for this misadventure is money. Hussein Khalid, director of Haki Africa, a pan-African human rights organization based at the Kenyan coastal city of Mombasa, has this to say about the deployment. We don't want to send our boys there and they return back in body bags. We must be very careful. Haiti is one of the poorest countries in the Western Hemisphere, and the United Nations officials have said about 5 million of its 11 million people suffer from from hunger. It has experienced political instability for several years, which has allowed violent gangs to control large sections of the country, carrying out kidnappings, killings, and sexual assaults. For VOA Africa News, I'm James Shimanyula in Nairobi, Kenya. Ugandan opposition leader and former presidential candidate Bobby Wine said yesterday that police had surrounded his residence and put him under house arrest ahead of a planned protest. Opposition politicians had planned demonstrations against the poor condition of roads in Uganda, which is hosting two global summits this month. According to the French news agency AFP, Wine said police and soldiers had barred him from leaving his home in Magere, north of the capital Kampala. Former presidential candidate Chisa Besigio 
of the Forum for Democratic Change or FDC opposition party said he had not been allowed to leave his house either. A police spokesman confirmed the security deployment outside the two residences and added that anyone who takes part in illegal assemblies will be arrested and prosecuted in accordance with the law. Having won the African Cup of Nations back in 2012, Zambia is now hoping to reclaim its African Championship title. Muka Sibuku has more from Lusaka, Zambia. The Chipola Polo, Zambia's national soccer team with its 30-man squad, under the watchful eye of coach Avram Grant. While back home, spirits are high as fans prepare to cheer on their team. We are so confident as a fan that this trophy is definitely coming home. Zambia is back at the Africa Cup of Nation. Africa, watch out. We are expecting the best them. Some fans say the use of different platforms during the tournament to root for the Chipolo Polo will help boost the team's morale. Let's make it memorable. Let's utilize social media to encourage the boys. And let's utilize whatever challenge have to, to whatever challenge have to get uh, to reach them and encourage them. The Zambia national team has faced numerous challenges over the years. The most significant loss was in 1993, when the then team members perished in a plane crash off the coast of Gabon after a refueling stop. Thirty people on board a chartered Zambian Air Force flight, including 18 players of the national team, were killed. Today. Zambia soccer team members see the tournament as an opportunity to reclaim their spot at the top. Ruben Kamanga, the general secretary of the Football Association of Zambia, says although the Zambian team missed out on winning in the past, they now look ready for the challenge. Well, I think that uh, for us it's um, exciting times uh, because after missing out on uh, the last uh, few editions, Zambia is back and uh, it's back I believe with a bang. And in this particular appearance, I think the guys look very, very strong. That gives you the confidence that uh, they are not intimidated. And soccer analyst Eric Kasomo says he is hopeful the team will bring pride to the nation. Uh, if you ask me how ready they are, they look buoyant, they look, uh, they look good uh, in, in the pictures and the videos that we are receiving uh, from their training base. They look like uh, they are ready for the, uh, for the showpiece. So probably uh, the Copper Bullets, Polo Polo Boys as you call them, they will be in the tournament with their most favoured formation of a 4-3-3 formation and uh, I would rate their preparedness as uh, above average. <laughs> The Zambia team was drawn at the preliminary group stage, which will see it face other groups from the Democratic Republic of Congo, Morocco and Tanzania. The Chipolo Polo team will be among 24 participants joining the 2024 Africa Cup of Nations, or AFCON, which began on the 13th of January and will continue until the 11th of February in Ivory Coast. Mokasibuku, VOA News, Lusaka. Zambia. The U.S. military carried out another attack against missile launch sites inside Houthi-controlled areas of Yemen after a Houthi attack late yesterday that damaged a U.S.-owned commercial ship sailing in the Gulf of Aden. The attacks came as the United States redesignated Yemen's Iranian-backed Houthi rebels as a global terrorist organization following weeks of missile and drone attacks on international shipping in the Red Sea and the Gulf. But as VOA Pentagon correspondent Kalabar reports, critics remained concerned about about Iran's increasing aggression in the region. 
The U.S. on Wednesday called Houthi militants a terror group after about 30 attacks on international shipping lanes since mid-November. National Security Council Director of Strategic Communications John Kirby. If the Houthis cease the attacks, we can certainly reconsider this designation. If not, the United States and Britain could launch more attacks against Houthi radar sites, launch sites, and drone and missile facilities inside Yemen. Pentagon Press Secretary Major General Pat Ryder. The Houthis need to ask themselves how much of their capability do they want degraded uh, and disrupted uh, in light of these illegal, reckless, and dangerous attacks. It is exceptionally long overdue, and it's, it's still not even a complete restoration. Critics of the administration, like FDD's Behnem Ben Talablu, say more needs to be done against the Houthis, who serve as proxies for their military And that supplier. was Carla Bob's report. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight. I'm Peter Clotty in Washington. For all the latest development on the continent 24-7, visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, David Vandy, and our engineer, Saida Hamdoun, thanks for choosing the Voice of America. <laughs>